When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, Thursday morning. A uh, big day for golfers down in uh, Queenstown. Of course, uh, the New Zealand Open starts uh, this morning. It has started already, actually. A couple of uh, players out on course. We'll give you score updates throughout the morning. And we'll talk to Michael Glading, too, towards uh, the end of the show. Uh, Michael will uh, give us uh, an update on how things are going there, uh, any hot players on the course, conditions, etc., um, and just how it's all setting up down there for four days of magnificent, magnificent golf on a terrific setting. Uh, first of all, though, we're going to talk uh, some uh, rugby. We're going to go to uh, Mike Anthony, who Mike is the head of uh, high performance for New Zealand rugby, uh, and look at their strategies uh, behind the scenes uh, in terms of progression. Uh, so much talked about what's actually happening in front of us, but what about the future? Uh, particularly now that we know uh, a new All Black coach show has been or will be uh, appointed within the next four to six weeks. Really important interview just after 9.30. Uh, with Mike King, of course, uh, we all know Mike King. He's been uh, New Zealander of the Year. Uh, he's an, uh, the I Am Hope founder, Mike, uh, and along with uh, a local Hawke's Bay winery owner and uh, Greg Miller, uh, they have uh, set up a uh, I Am Hope wellness centre in Napier, right in the hub of where uh, Hawke's Bay was hit. So we're going to talk to Mike about uh, the work that they're doing there behind the scenes uh, in terms of trying to lift spirits and, and uh, get people back on the right track. Uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll have a, a short recap of um, uh, the Australia versus India Test match. Wow. Wow. Did you see that coming? Unbelievable. Uh, 10.20, we'll have a panel with Sam Ackerman uh, and one to be confirmed. Uh, we'll also uh, have, uh, as I said, uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, again with us uh, just before 11 o'clock. Uh, races at Rotorua today and the Derby, of course, coming up this weekend. I uh, have a stump smithy uh, around about uh, 11.30 this morning. And, of course, was uh, always uh, we'll head to the sports desk where Logan Swinkles, our producer, will be sitting. So uh, let's get on with things. Well, 2023 is a massive year for rugby in New Zealand, one that will see the appointment of a new All Blacks coach within the next four to six weeks. That's been confirmed to, to take over from Ian Foster following the Rugby World Cup, and the tournament alone is a big focus. But after that, we're once again seeing experienced All Blacks heading overseas in the twilight of their careers. So what comes next? Well, we wanted to invite Mike Anthony onto the show this morning. Mike is uh, New Zealand Rugby's header for high performance. Knows better than most about identifying talent and the way forward. Mike, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. 
Uh, can I just uh, ask you, Mike, um, uh, under that title, uh, what levels of rugby does that encompass for you? Uh, it's across the board, really. The, the high-performance umbrella for us is from All Blacks and Black Ferns down to sort of our school-age talent where we've, you know, we, we've got programs that we help support, so down to sort of an under-18 level and then closely integrated in with our community program because we know that's where the talent's going to come from. Right, OK. Well, uh, looking at the first weekend of uh, Super Rugby, uh, we've had a few people um, around the show, etc., saying they're pretty impressed with uh, the standard of what they saw in, in round one. How did you view it? Yeah, right. Smithy, to be honest, um, you know, we're always trying to be uh, listen to the fans and our, our players and coaches and, you know, we want people to love the game and watch the game and uh, it couldn't have gone better. You know, first, first round, you always get building combinations and stuff, but both derbies had over 40 minute ball and play time and often you've got to be careful with using ball and play because there are a lot of teams who retain ball well and, and don't do a lot with it, but the yeah, over 40 minutes and the actual total length of the game has shortened up, so that's including stoppages and everything like that. You, you heard from the players pretty clearly uh, on the weekend that you know a number of them were feeling it, and they often do first game in. But just the tempo of the game, you know, the, the better flow. Uh, so look, it started really well, and it's pretty pretty exciting this week to go to Melbourne and, and see it all in, in one venue. That is exceptionally exciting. Just and we, I think we'll get a better picture of just where everyone is at going in uh, at going into week uh, two. Uh, the Silver Lake deal, well, of course, there was a lot of publicity about that, but now that's uh, um, been uh, rubber stamped, etc., and it's underway. How's that helping uh, the high performance department uh, from your point of view? Yeah, look, nothing uh, significant at this stage around the Silver Lake deal other than we've now got a gr- ability to tap into and a, a little like we have with Ineos and at the moment with Ineos they're a performance partner so we certainly when we're away I was away with the All Blacks 15 took the coaches and spent a day with Mercedes and working with their leadership team uh, and we're continuing to build on, on those connections so we'll certainly start to leverage that more as we get going obviously they've got great uh, insight into technology which is an area that we can certainly continue to build on in our program. So um, at, at the moment, uh, for us, the upside is really, with COVID gone, the ability to stand a number of our programs up again that were hugely impacted. So, you know, sevens were restricted by what we could do. We had to mothball the program for a period. Under-20s hasn't run, and um, really exciting this year that the Under-20s World Cup, which is a critical part of our pathway, is up and running again. So those things are back online, which is fantastic. We continue to be uh, a target for players in the twilight of their careers. We're seeing a number have already announced that they're on their way out of town um, as soon as the World Cup is over. Will we ever be in a situation financially where we can prevent that? Oh, look, um, it's a fair question. Um, I think our guys have done a, our contracting guys have done a fantastic job at uh, being able to retain some players we have because of market forces, and, and I think. The players know that they're well supported here, and in my view, uh, you know they get the best support from a coaching perspective to grow technically and tactically. So they know the merits there. But you look at that group who are going, and look, I, I, they're tough to replace. We've got a number of centurions. They've had an outstanding career, and at the right time, we'll acknowledge that. Hopefully, after we lift the World Cup, and. Uh, so that, that's going to happen. We've, we've seen it in every World Cup cycle. You know, back in 15, we had 12 departures. 
likes of Dan and Richie, Kevin Mialamu, Ma Conrad, Tony Woodcock. So you, they just it gets to a point where these guys will make a decision around uh, either lifestyle. Uh, sometimes it's it's dollars, but it's you know they they realise that they've got a certain shelf life for in the game, and and uh, they want to experience as much as they can. So. Yeah, look, I, I certainly, that's uh, going to continue to happen where people choose to change things up a little bit like anyone does in a job. Um, and I think, you know, for a lot of those guys that are leaving, you know, you look at Brody and Aaron Smith, Colsey, etc. fantastic careers. They've done a wonderful job for their club and for the All Blacks and Enhanced Jersey. So, you know, a great opportunity for them to, to bow out in style, hopefully. So uh, they announced it pretty early on in the piece. Uh, I would imagine there'll be others uh, throughout the year that um, maybe make that decision as well. Even uh, those that perhaps don't make the World Cup squad will move on. So what about the succession plans, Mike? Yeah, look, um, firstly, we, we uh, to give you a bit of insight, we've got approximately 40 players who have played for the ABs in 22, either already contracted or projected to be contracted. So I know we always look at, and particularly the names I mentioned with uh Centurions and a key part of the spine of the team. It's you know, they're the guys we focus on. Um, so there, there are a, a significant number either locked in or in the process of doing so. We're always working on how we build depth. Uh, you know, you saw the AB15 program, and we've just announced again that we'll, we've got uh, two matches in Japan uh, in July coming up. That's an avenue for developing that next tier of talent, talent complements Māori All Blacks who. You know, we will uh, get it, um, playing again next year alongside the AB15 um, Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, obviously, we saw on the weekend the quality of some of our players in there. So we've got um, both within our national programs domestically with Super Rugby Pacific and NPC. We've got a great pathway to the All Blacks. Then underneath that, I mentioned the, the under-20s. And for us, that's always been our flagship age group program. Um you know, I know it cops it a bit at times when we don't go and win World Cups, which are highly competitive, but we base the success on that, of that program on our conversion rate through to Super Rugby. Now, that's not to say, you know, any team in black wants to go away and win a tournament. We do our best to do that. But the way the program's structured, it's very much about keeping the net wide. We have 50-odd players uh, in the mix. We do a lot of development over a six-month period and then they go to a pinnacle event. You know, we don't have a Six Nations or anything like that this year. We've got a couple of tests against Aussie, and then they'll go. So, you know, you look at conversion rates there between 15 and 19, we had 85% through the Super Rugby. Uh, the other thing we've recently done is we've, we've got now national development contracts. So the, the goal there, that's with our best under-20 talent, and we want to accelerate their development. So they're immersed in the Super Rugby environments full-time in the pre-season, and that carries on through until uh, through the competition. Then 16, we've just kicked that off last year, and that 16 leads that, and 16 of the 23 from that group are already fully contracted or being used as replacement players. And then the final one, uh, I think somebody will just seem to touch on, given they're, they're going really well at the moment, you know, back-to-back tournaments, the AB7s, it's far more integrated uh, pathway now for us, particularly with our young talent. So if you look at Caleb Clark, felt it wasn't going well form-wise, went in, had, had a good run with sevens, went back out, 
played well and, and made the All Blacks. We've got Caleb Tungana, who was with the Sevens and gone back to the Blues. Young Roderick Solo, been in fantastic form. Peyton Spencer, great schoolboy talent, and Xavier Tito Harris is in there as well. So, you know, we've got a number of avenues now where we can, you know, develop that talent and, and have it ready. And then it's just giving them exposure. And that's where ABS 15 was important because we just need to get those guys playing against different playing styles, touring, and, and getting used to inter- that exposure at international level. Well, you certainly created that last year with the All Blacks 15 that uh, was able to go to the Northern Hemisphere. Um, what does the, um, the future look like for an All Blacks 15 this year and maybe next year? Yeah, look, really positive with the two matches against Japan. And, and we've done that, uh, you know, to, uh, working with Foz to make sure that prior to selection for the World Cup team, we've got a, a wider group of players playing. As you know, the you know, collision-based sport, we will lose some players along the way. So having that group playing and ability to either look at or select from should we get injuries in Argentina or get South Africa, you know, ability to then go and name a World Cup team. Uh, moving forward, really positive. I was away uh, with the All Black 15 and we had a World Rugby meeting and there's genuine interest from the likes of England who are looking to stand up a... Uh, you know, a, a program again, Ireland uh, with David Nusser for very keen to repeat what we did. Obviously, uh, Andy Farrell and the team brought a, a bigger squad out uh, to New Zealand. So I think you'll see that second tier uh, level, uh, you know, a lot more uh, playing program around that. So, yeah, really excited around, around that. And then likewise with the Māori All Blacks, ensuring that they have a program. The ideal for us is, you know, the Māori All Blacks in that July window in a, in a normal World Cup year and AB15 uh, in uh, market sort of in November um, post-NPC. Uh, so um, if I'm a, a, a youngster playing first 15 rugby these days, uh, I, I look at that uh, opportunity, but how early do I have to make a decision perhaps on sevens or fifteens or um, is there any pressure to do that I mean, when you say you earmark them for a certain way that they're going to play or a certain style of rugby they're perhaps going to play even at a very young age you look at Carlos's boy Carlos Spencer's boy uh, you, you put him in very early on in the piece uh, do you have to make a decision do you have to as a kid or, or you keep open minded definitely not I, I think we've shown that we're not an early specialisation sport. And, and I'll go broader than rugby here. You look at Peyton, a great cricketer, uh, and we've had a number of guys like that, Geordie as well. We we certainly don't put pressure on kids to, that you've got to focus in on rugby. We, we, want them to, we think the broader experience across sports is really beneficial for our guys and want them to have a love for the game uh, and, and grow that. So that's the first part. And from a 7s v 15s, definitely not. We, you know, with Caleb Tungata, for example, we worked, uh, you know, we've got an MOU with the Blues with Sevens, and we've got Shay Clark and Caleb Tungata, uh, and now some of these other boys coming in, and we will work so that the player can transition between the two, get a foot in around 15, so some of those young guys will, you may see, get an opportunity to play 20s uh, this year at the World Cup, and then may transition back in if good enough will go to the Olympics and then they'll, they will jump back into 15. So, look, we just think for a lot of those guys, they're not super rugby ready. You know, the 15's uh, intensity, physicality uh, is pretty tough, and we certainly don't want to uh, ruin them. But, 
you put them into a photon environment like Siemens. Clark's done a fantastic job there, uh, collecting the team, and uh, you know the environment's great, uh, fully immersed, training alongside some good pros like Scott Curry, Timmy Mickelson, etc. You accelerate their development, the growth you see in them around individual skill sets is fantastic, and then it's just how we make sure we transition them really comfortably back into 15s. So the, the collaboration there now and the integration between the two is, is really strong. I, I think you know, as a pathway, it's been really positive for us alongside the national development contracts for our young talent. Talking to Mike Anthony, of course, uh, who's um, head of New Zealand Rugby High Performance. Uh, Mike, uh, a very big year uh, last year, of course, for uh, women's rugby. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, are we confident we're building the right way on, on the top of that success? Yeah, look, it was, uh, wasn't it, when you think about where they came from and, and uh, the old master, alongside a couple of other old fellas, went in there and, and did a fantastic job and, and just, I think, the way the country embraced it uh, and what had been a pretty challenging time for rugby was, was fantastic. So for us now, it's about leveraging off that 100%. You know, look, our Black Twin Sevens have been the flagship for a long time uh, in, in succeeding, you know, gold medal and so on. Black Ferns have won multiple World Cups. So now's the time for us to, to uh, make sure that we build a program and a pathway. So uh, we, alongside me now, Hannah Porter, so my role is now focused in the men's space and Hannah will, will focus on the, the women's space uh, and the high performance, which is great. And we're in the process of uh, gone to market around uh, some roles to make sure we've got the support we need. Obviously, Bunce has been appointed to, to Black Ferns, so um, we start to see uh, that program continue to grow. So, look, it's really exciting, Smithy, in the, the women's space. We, we want to work really hard on growing the numbers. Uh, and again, those, those opportunities, whether it be sevens and fifteens, is, is pretty exciting, but... Yeah, there's, there's huge potential in, in where the program can go to. Um, you know, there's, uh, the, the, from a competition structure, OPICI, we know that you know, we've made a start, but we've heard loud and clear from players and those involved that what more can we do around that? So, yeah, look, there's, there's plenty to do in that space, and, and I, I, I just think this feeling for our women's game here is massive. So, Mike, yeah, yesterday it was uh, publicly announced by uh, Dame Patsy Reddy that uh, an, appoint, um, an appointment for or announcement on a new black coach will be in the next uh, four to six weeks, which is, uh, puts a full stop on a lot of conjecture. At what point, whoever that might be, do you get alongside and say, right, OK, uh, this year we know where we're going, but from that point on, from that day onwards, the day after the World Cup, it's your, it's your show how soon do you get alongside him in terms of talent identification, in terms of what he uh, wants to perhaps do in terms of changing things? Oh, yeah, look, um, and sorry, I, I don't want to comment on the coaching process piece, but look, depending on who steps into that role, they're going to have awareness of the talent that's in this country. I, I think it's been pretty evident. Uh, you know, there's some names being thrown around. They, they're looking at talent all the time. Um, they don't get to where they get to without having a good eye for that and, and will certainly make the connections that they need to. You know, my, my focus is making sure that we support Foz and the team as best we can to, to go and win a World Cup and uh, that's where our energy will go. Um, you know, there's then a, a period where with Super Rugby and so on, uh, and a reset with some guys going away, where you know people know where the gaps are going to be. So start to they'll start to look at that. But 
our energy is very much on uh, giving our All Blacks the best chance to go and win a World Cup in France, which is going to be a massive challenge. But you know they've shown some some great improvements in the last period, uh, and it'll certainly uh, be right in the mix. So I'm sure in what's going to be a tough side of the draw. Mike, just finally, uh, the words high performance um, to me, uh, outside looking in, sometimes mean high performance means pressure to perform. Um, and of course, that brings in the mental side of things. We, we know within uh, certain aspects of rugby there ha- that has been highlighted. You confident within your group that um, you've got everything pretty much under control in the, in the mental and the recovery type uh, aspects of, um, of your programs? Yeah, look, you're right. I suppose at the point here, for us, it's about our team's winning pinnacle events, whether that be World Cups, Olympics, uh, whatever it is. And, and we, the other part is then obviously making sure that we develop players for our programs and teams. Um, yeah, look, the, the, the mental uh, skills, well-being space is talked about a lot. You know, you talk about performance mindset and performing under pressure and you know, from your days, you know, you, you, you have to be on uh, a lot. Um, and I think getting that balance right is, is really important. That's an area that we're continuing to to look at and investigate uh, and resource appropriately. I, I don't think you ever sit and feel comfortable in that space that you've got everything right. But you just want to make sure that, you know, for us it's about that we're well resourced and our players are supported by the best people and that's across the board, whether it be nutrition, S&C, coaching, whatever. We, we think we've got a really competitive advantage in the quality of our coaching and the way that we collaborate together. But you know, look, if anywhere, it's, it continues to be that sort of uh, mental skills, mind space is an area that we talk about all the time. You know, uh, play, coaches talk about winning critical moments. Uh, that, that are the things, again, is it, does that come down to execution or is it a mindset? Piece. So we've just got to make sure we, we provide the support that the players need. We create really good environments that they can thrive in, and, and uh, we think we're pretty sure we've got the talent um, to to be able to deliver. So ultimately, that's what we need to do: build a really good pathway, get the right people, and and uh, and then hopefully win pinnacle events. Sounds good, Mike. Uh, I want to thank you very much for your, your time this morning. Uh, great insight into uh, behind the scenes. Uh, of where we're at at uh, the high level. So uh, we appreciate it and uh, all the very best going forward. Thank you. Uh, the devastation left behind by Cyclone Gabrielle is still being felt uh, around parts of New Zealand as people look to clean up, to rebuild and to perhaps start their lives over again. But that's something that can be easier said than done. All of this takes toll on the relative communities that have been hardest hit. Now Mike King is doing what he does best. He's there on the ground listening to people and doing what he can to provide support during these very difficult times. A temporary I Am Hope Wellness Centre is now available for those that need a doctor or a counsellor, so if you need to talk to someone they are at the Flood Ravaged Valley Divine Restaurant on Linden Estate, and I'm very pleased to say that the man himself joins us this morning. Uh, Mike, thanks very much for your time. Morning, Smithy. How are you, mate? We're just in uh, well, White, I'm, uh, White Pocket Road, 
<laughs> You're in Waipukarau. Okay, so you've uh, managed to get down to Central uh, Hawke's Bay as well. Uh, Mike, horrible times, horrible signs. The devastation is, is apparent to uh, people uh, driving through the area or uh, flying over the area. Uh, what are you noticing uh, on the ground? Oh, well, so, you know, there, there are there are a few stages that you go through after a, after a natural disaster. The first one's the hero stage where... You know, we're celebrating um, the guys that did a wonderful job in the valley. Uh, then you've got uh, the story stage. So we're in the story stage. We've got all kinds of people coming in from out of town, volunteering on the shovels and everything. Um, they're coming from Pataru, from Taranaki. They're coming from Wellington. They're coming from everywhere. And so, you know, there's a real sense of community. But the, the real trouble is going to start in about a fortnight when everyone disappears and uh, the locals suddenly will start feeling like they've been forgotten about. And already in some of the um, smaller communities around here, uh, you know, that's already started to set in. And then uh, with, with winter coming on, then you're going to have the, the, the real problems because, um, you know, rain is no longer just a weather event anymore. It's potential catastrophe, particularly for kids, for older people living on their own, um, and if you walk around and see the places that people and the things that people had to do to escape the water, it's uh, it's quite eye-opening. You don't really get a um, an idea of the scale until you walk into a house and see the you know the water marks uh, six inches from the, the ceiling and holes where they crawled in through the roof and had to cut holes to get back out again. It's just it's. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take a while, Smitty. You know, some of the silt is about six meters deep. You know, that is that is washed through the place. So it's just it's bizarre. But on top of all that, you know, you're still seeing lots of smiley faces. That's uh, that's the incredible thing about it. We uh, at times we are quite a, a resilient bunch. Uh, I think it's fair to say, Mike. As you talk to these people of varying ages too, because you've got a terrific history in dealing with the youth. Uh, uh, we, we're all at the moment sort of looking at possessions, but we we don't quite know the mental side of it. That's the area you're working in. Uh, what what's the biggest issues people are talking to you about? Uh, again, it's, you know, my kids aren't sleeping. I was at uh, Napier Girls High and talking to one of the coordinators of all the schools down here on day one, and she said, you know, in the primary schools, as soon as it rains, the kids are all looking out the window and, you know, the eyes are all bulging and is this, is this another? So, you know, it's um, it's different things for different people. You see, you know, unfortunately, it's been a... Uh, a suicide in X Valley already, you know. It's, it's so, I, you know. Again, we're just in that stage where people are kind of still coming to terms with what happened, um, and you know, the the coming months will really tell the story. So, you know, we're we're not a fly by night organisation. We're going to be setting up down here for the next few months, uh, just assessing the need. We're already moving. We've got four councillors and a GP. We're already moving councillors around to the different hubs. Um, who And uh, it's my understanding that uh, the government are just getting off their ass now and bringing in a psych relief team. So, you know, um, it'll be... Down here will be well-resourced. But I think things that people need the most, um, particularly in the valleys, when everyone's gone, they just... 
you know, they're just going to need contact from other people in the area. Um, you know, you don't have to be on a shovel. You don't have to be, you know, like mucking in. Just being there and supporting and letting them know that they're not alone. And, you know, that's that's easier said than done. I was in Napier last night um, having a feed and, um, and already the town's, you know, uh, moved on. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, you know. I'm not saying that, that because they're horrible people. It's just that, you know, where they are living is not impacted. Uh, whereas 10k down the road, you drive down, and it's seriously, it reminds me of the Christchurch earthquake, um, just liquefaction, cars buried, houses buried. It's Yeah, and even some of the locals who have come out and seen us, and, you know, they've gone, holy crap, we had no idea it was as bad as we turned down the road. Sometimes, Mike, uh, you look for parents to be the strong ones in, in these sort of situations, but it's the parents who are noticing that everything they've set up in life has gone. It, it's just, it just disappeared overnight, and that's going to have an impact on the children because they're seeing another side of their parents perhaps that they never thought they would ever see. What about the family units uh, that, that you're talking to? Well, there are some families who are never coming back. And that's just, you know, they've, they've left their houses, they've got the kids. Um, uh, but, you know, for them, again, it's, you know, just, just knowing that, that people are there and, and uh, are caring. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times, I, you know, I can express it. Just They just need people. Uh, they just need to know that people are, are behind them. So... So for those families, I mean, this is this is going to be years long, Smithy. I mean, we had a tornado at our house uh, two years ago in South Auckland, and uh, all our trees out the front of our house, in front of my seven-year-old daughter's bedroom, got ripped out of the ground. To this day, she can't stand wind. To this day, she, you know, she she gets scared around rain, and you know, we've had her in counselling now for on and off for two years, and still. So, you know, it's it's going to be a hard slog. It's going to be a really hard slog. So any parent out there um, who, who has kids, Gumboot Friday, gumbootfriday.com, just get on there and um, book your kids. And it's about a six-day waiting list. We've had had huge support from counsellors from around the world. I, I got a um, an email from a counsellor in Canada last night who said, we're here. We can do it remotely. We can help. So, you know, there are lots of really cool people out there. And, you know, I think if we just keep the support going like we did in Christchurch, they're going to be fine. So uh, the wellness centre that you have set up, and um, as you said, you're going to stay there uh, as long as you feel it takes, uh, out there at the Linden Estate. Tell us uh, how accessible that is to people and, and what you're doing there, the, the scale of the operation. Okay, so um, you know, as you as you come down uh, State Highway Five, you'll see the the substation still underwater. They've done a great job of clearing all the muck out, so it's easy access. You don't need to make an appointment. Um, right at the entrance, there's uh, two cars towing two caravans sitting on top of each other, so you can't miss it. Uh, miss us. There's a four bedroom house. Um, sitting in the middle of the vineyard on the uh, on your right-hand side when you come in. Come up the drive, Valley Divine, uh, there's food, there's, you know, everything 
uh, household needs. It's all free. We've got a you know we've got a big um, big community event there tomorrow. It's open weekends. Weekends is the time for families because obviously mum dad work and kids are going to school. There's a place uh, you know there's a, a a kids area there. There's music and there's lots of other community members and also um, our team are there. Our team are all in there. I am hope you you can't miss it. Even if you don't need help, pop in. Come on down. It's it's all there. So from four o'clock tomorrow night, there's a there's a, a big spit going on, and all the community are going to be there. There's plenty of parking. Come on down. Money is uh, often um, neglected. People have given possessions, obviously, initially and whatever, but you need money. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, what's the best way to give your money? Uh, so if people want to donate, just go to gumbootfriday.com. Uh, there's a pop-up there which will say flood relief, and you can donate there, or you can text flood to 469, and uh, 100% the 100% of all donations go directly to councillors. I am hope we take care of all the admin. There's, there's, people just need to know that every cent that they donate will go to help the community. It'll go to people on the ground and it won't go to accountants, lawyers and administrators. Uh, Mike King, um, I know you're, you're uh, an exceedingly uh, busy man. You, and, and just to, to sort of finish it on a um, on another note, you, you've postponed the the Jew Drop Hope Challenge. Is that correct? Yes, we are now heading off on April the 11th, one day before my 61st birthday. We're starting in the Cape, and unfortunately, we've we've switched. So we were going to go from Fakatani to um, into the Waiho Valley uh, and around the East Cape, Gisborne and Wairau and uh, Napier. Uh, we can't do that now. So we're cutting across. We're going to swim across Lake Tatawera, um, head down to Tūrangi and then over to New Plymouth, Wanganui and back to Taihapi and then back on the route. So um, that'll the the new uh, the new trail is on the website again. Um, at, at this event, every day we have two community events. So not, not only are the boys going to be Rick and uh, Rick Wells and Carmo and uh, Richie Barnett, not only will we, we be doing all of the running and the swimming and the biking and the kayaking, uh, we'll be doing lots of talking too and letting people know what Gumboot Friday is about, why it's free, and uh, why they should come along and, and join. So, yeah, the Dewdrop Hope Challenge, she's away, mate, and uh, it'll be no daylight saving. So uh, a lot of the time I'm figuring we're going to be running in the dark, but that's okay. Anything for the kids. Uh, Mike, uh, and very finally, finally, of course, I hope you can find a television in um, 90 minutes or so tomorrow night because your beloveds start their season tomorrow night, the Warriors, uh, against oh, the Knights. Well, I'll, I'll actually be flying out of here tomorrow down to Wellington to uh, watch the game. So I'm going to go down there for the first game of the season. You might have noticed we're on the front of the shorts there. We're in partnership with the Warriors this year. And if there's any team that needed hope, Smitty, it's the Mighty Warriors. <laughs> Mike King, you're an absolute... Uh, I just got a text in to say Mike King is a legend, uh, and I absolutely concur that you are. Um, it's what you're doing over there. I've already heard behind the scenes is 
it's quite amazing and just uh, people seeing your face uh, and a smile every now and then is has lifted spirits so hey congratulations on what you're doing uh, long may it uh, continue as long as these people um, are suffering or recovering doing a great job mate and thanks for your time this morning take care Smitty bye bye mate yeah, cheers uh, Mike King there of, uh, of course uh, such a recognisable man in times of uh, need uh, he just pops up and, and just does his thing which is uh, to talk to be there to talk and um, as he said um, at the moment there is plenty of uh, noticeable help for these people but that's going to dwindle as people who are in the help mode uh, get back to their own lives it's a very uh, interesting point that he made and at that point when you when you look around for the support that you've been getting and they've gone on with their own lives and gone away crucial times very very crucial times so great to catch up with uh, Mike and the, the team there on what they're doing. Uh, it is 9.45 here on SNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, today uh, Boston Celtics play the Cleveland Cavaliers and I think the Celts will beat them uh, at $1.46. Golf bet to, to follow over the weekend as part of the multi and that's Colin Morikawa after finishing the top 10 of the Arnold Palmer Invitational at $3. And the Melbourne Storm, got to have an NRL bet, don't we? So I'll go the Storm to beat the Eels tonight at $1.70. Multied up that $7.44. Yes, um, Ryan Fox playing in the Arnold Palmer Invitational, one of the reasons why he cannot be here at the New Zealand Open. I can tell you, in terms of the New Zealand Open, uh, Stephen Elka, two under. Daniel Hillier, two under after six holes. Right, OK, I think it's pertinent too. Just to remind folks, uh, Logan, of civil defence messages because we've still got more rain around and we get a bit casual about things. What are they stressing? Uh, yeah, an update messaging. Now that we're into March, can you believe it? One, most importantly, always assume that flood water and silt are contaminated with farm runoff chemicals or sewage. Two, if you need to move silt by hand, cover yourself up as much as possible. Use personal protective equipment like gloves, masks and safety glasses and gumboots or sturdy shoes. Three, wear a properly fitted P2 or N95 mask. These are your best protection. If you do not have one, a surgical mask will help. Four, use normal low pressure hoses and brooms to push wet material without making it airborne. Five, if possible, keep the surface of the silt wet or cover it to prevent it drying and blowing around. Six, when cleaning up silt, dig steeped trenches which are less likely to collapse than deep trenches with high sides. Seven, after doing any cleanup, wash and dry your hands and or use hand sanitizer. And finally, if you're worried about what dust is doing to your health, please call Healthline at 0800 611 116. That's call Healthline at 0800 611 116. Cool. Okay, thanks for those messages and thanks for uh, Civil Defence for uh, publishing and letting us uh, know them. So uh, follow those if you can. Limit limit the possibilities. I think that's the thing. Uh, we'll take uh, a very short break when we come back. We'll preview what's coming in the next hour. I'll give you some football updates too because there's uh, Premier League going on at the moment and, of course, the FA Cup.
Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, some football updates for you. Yes, uh, there's uh, EPL going on at the moment. Important games too. Arsenal leading Everton 2-0. Liverpool and Wolves nil all. That's at half time. And in the FA Cup, uh, there's some interesting matches going on as well. We're trying to follow that. Um, and Logan, uh, some scores uh, of note for you? Yeah, there's. I'm watching the Manchester United uh, West Ham game. Um just to, I don't know, instant solidarity for Ricardo. Some technical <laughs> difficulties on the broadcast, though. And when it came back, it looked like West Ham had scored. Not actually sure what's going on here. There's been no update. Oh, no, there it is. 1-0 to West Ham in the 56th minute. Southampton versus Grimsby Town. They're locked up 2-all in the 81st minute. Burnley and Fleetwood. They're nil all in the 65th minute. Fleetwood do have a red card there, so they're down a man. And uh, your team, the Tottenham Hotspurs, up against Sheffield United. God, I wish that was Wrexham. It is nil all in the 46th minute. Well, thanks for that. Oh, updates there, right. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, the test match uh, coming out of uh, India um, after 10 o'clock. Uh, we've got a quote there from Matthew Hayden to talk about. Uh, he's had a guts full of balls turning square, apparently, from the first over. And uh, being an opening batsman, of course, that's coming from him. Panel, Jared Cronin is joining us and Sam Ackerman. Very heavy league, a very heavy league panel, that one. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, later on in the show, we'll be talking to Michael Glading out of the New Zealand Open. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, um, India are of course playing Australia in the third test match over there in a place called Indoor, uh, but they are playing outdoor. Uh, and it's uh, an interesting venue actually, uh, to be perfectly honest. And uh, of course uh, what has been the talking point of all the, all the test matches uh, so far in this series has been the pitch, the pitch surface. Uh, this is what Matthew Hayden had to say. There's no way in the world that a spin bowler should come on in the sixth over 4.8 degrees of turn. Now that's massive turn. That's the sort of turn you expect on day three. You've got to give batters a chance. Day one, day two should be about batting uh, or seam bowling, in my opinion. You're allowed to have a four or five day test match. Otherwise, call it what it is and we'll just play three days. So uh, that is uh, Matthew Hayden uh, talking on Fox Cricket about how he's summing up the situation um, because it's very, very tough. The irony about it yesterday, though, Logan, was that India were on the receiving end. 14 wickets falling on the first day, and India rolled very, very cheaply. First of all, I love knowing that you've still got a good uh, dad joke in you, playing outdoors and indoors. Uh, indoor. I saw the uh, the ECN commentary team actually uh, headed there by Adam Collins, who we've had on the show numerous times. Great commentator. He's over there, and he tweeted before the uh, test match that he is indoors at indoor. Uh, so I, I just appreciate a little gag like that. Yeah, amazing first day, Smithy. The fact that a test match could be done in three, maybe two days, waits to be seen but of course day two is coming up and you've got that on SCN in SCNZ as well on the app for us listen on SCN Fanatic uh, play starts at 5pm this is how things went for India Green up to the crease northern end to Gill driving again through the covers for the second time he's latched on Stark passing up high men and left arm over Bolsa Rohit Sharma driving again out through cover 
Another boundary. The outfield is rapid. Last ball of Koenigman's first over. Dancing Rowett stops. Alex Carey does it. Rowett was way out of his crease. Didn't even bother to try and stretch back. Koenigman gets the first wicket for Australia. And it's the captain, Rowett Sharma, stump for 12. Fine leg, backward point, extra cover, mid on, mid wicket. Oh, it's gone! Another wicket goes down, and this time it's Shepman Gill. Both openers back in the hutch. And goodness me, this ball is turning, it's ragging, it's ripping. The lion is in, it's the right handed Pujar. Hold him! Straight through, he went back to a ball that's kept low, and it's turned sharply, and bang! Bang becomes bang bang bang. India three for 36. Pajara goes oh. for one. Lion is in, and that's cut away. Oh, he's got him. I'm saying it's gone. He's caught a short extra cover the very next ball. Um, what a sharp catch that is. And today just survives the LBW, and he's caught immediately after. Unbelievable. It's all happening here in indoor. As Kuhneman is in, left arm round the wicket to Iron. Oh, he's on him. Inside edge back onto the stumps, a loose shot that was short, he went to cut it, and he's chopped it back onto his stump, he can't believe it, he's staying there, he's staying there, is he? No, he's just checking if it hit the keeper's gloves and then came back, but uh, Alex Carey would know, he's very confident. Come on Murph. Yeah! Murph's in, been hit on the pad, big appeal, loves it, finger goes up, Murphy can't believe it, he's got him, he punches. Double fist pump. Not going to be going over. It's hitting. It's hitting middle and leg. It's out. Only is out. India have lost their six. It's a wicket for Murphy. Guys forward. Now he likes that more. He's down on one knee. He believes in it. He believes in it. How is that? How is that? Says Smith. He wants it. He's doing that little waddle that he does when he's excited. Yeah. It's got a pitch in line. A pitch is just outside. It's going to be interesting. Oh, oh. He's got him, he's got him, he's hitting like stump. And hitting the wickets. Well, what a great review that was. You to change your decision to out. Stand by, on screen, signal now. India lose their seventh in this pulsating, insane morning. Kuhneman here, outside edge, taken by Carey. It's given not out by umpire Menon. They've also gone up for the stumping. Now, they'll get to look at both. Yes. This is a review for the, the price of nothing because they'll have to check the stumping. Loose. Taken by Carey in the right hand before he whipped the bat. Oh yeah, there's an edge. edge yeah. There's the spike on ultra Copy. edge. Bat is off the floor and I have a clear spike on the outside edge. As you can hear from umpire Kettleborough, there's a spike. Umpire Menon, once again, you're going to have to change this your decision. Please. Ashwin confirmed as caught behind for three. Kuhneman has a fourth. Kuhneman bowls and Umesh hit on the pad straight on. Yep. Matthew Kuhneman claims a five-wicket bag for the first time in Test cricket. He may review it. There'll be no point. That was going straight on with the arm. Bowling to a plan. Kuhneman outstanding. India, nine for 108. He's into Akshar, who just flicks away down to deep backward square. They've run the first. Well, Akshar's run the first quickly. No. Akshar comes in and he's gone. Run out. Tried to get back on strike, Akshar. It was suicidal. It was never going to happen. And India have been bowled out, much to the glee of the Australians. Incredible. That's incredible cricket. When you believe that India are tailor-making these pitches for their own cause, to have themselves rolled in 33.2 overs for 109, it's insane. It's insane. Kuhneman, 5 for 16. 
Nathan Lyon, three for 35. Just uh, an amazing turn of events uh, when all the money and all the betting was on uh, Australia to lose this test match as well. So, okay, Australia batting uh, a lot sooner than uh, they thought they would be, uh, Logan. And uh, by and large, I think they'd probably be happy with their day's work. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, let's see what t- yeah, 109 all out was India. So at the end of play, 156 for four. So they did lose four wickets themselves, but they do have a 47 run lead currently at the crease heading into day two. Uh, Peter Hampskin, seven runs. Cameron Green, six runs. Uh, Usman Khawaja had a great innings of 60. Here's some highlights from Australia. He's screaming, he's imploring! He's not out. Uh, so it's up by Joel. Has he been hit outside the line? I think that's what Kay's got up seems to be indicating, but they've gone upstairs. They have gone upstairs. Oh, Where's it pitch? It pitches in line. It hits him in line. It's hitting. It's the 11th wicket of the day. Hitting the wickets. Joel going to ask it over to Ashford to Kawaja on 49. And he drives, and that'll be his half century. It's running off towards the extra cover boundary. It won't get there, doesn't need to. It's a single that brings him a masterful 50 from 102 balls. It's quite prosaic. They bowled him! Bowled him! Jadeja's got through. It's kept low. Minus Labashain has not yet moved from the crease. He's about to practice the shot. He should have played. He just does, and indeed he should have. Instead, he stayed on the crease. And the ball scurried through, beat bat, clattered into stumps, that is the breakthrough. Silly point in the slip, on the drive, finds a gap at backward point, well played. Out towards the rope, gets himself a boundary, his first. So Jadeja bowls, there's a slog sweep, out towards deep square, and Kawaja's hold out! On the sweep shot, against the flow of play, Jadeja gets the big wicket. Kawaja will trudge off. Jadeja again, a little bit wider. Smith, outside edge, gone! Smith is furious. Jadeja gets one to turn and bite and bounce. And for all the troubles that KS has endured this afternoon, when it matters most, he's gloved one behind the wickets. Smithy, the atmosphere there in indoor is unreal. What was it like for you playing there? Oh, look, it was a long time ago, but fanatical. Um, I played there in a World Cup. It's just fanatical. Uh, and, you know, it's it's fever pitch most of the day, but any semblance of success for the home side, they're very knowledgeable fans. They don't just go for the sake of a party. They're there because they know the game. Um, and they're very knowledgeable, and they sense. They can sense vulnerability and opposition, and they, it's, it's quite an intriguing uh, atmosphere. Um, and it's great to hear it back, to be perfectly honest. It is great to hear it back. So uh, the situation now is that Australia uh, have got a handyish lead, you would think, um, at this point. You would think they're uh, favourites to win. In fact, they're 66% on our TAV uh, as a chance of winning the Test match. That could change very quickly. Uh, they've got Peter Hanscom at the crease, who's a good player of spin. They've got uh, Cameron Green, who's just come back into the side after injuring a finger against South Africa, so he's uh, not out six. He adds to the balance of the side uh, because he can take the new ball as well. Incidentally... Uh, very interesting to note that uh, so far in this test match, there have been uh, seven overs of pace bowled by uh, Australia. 
and uh, when it's come to uh, India's side of things, they have used uh, f- five overs of pace. So in the whole day of Test cricket, five, uh, yes, seven, twelve overs of pace, Un- unbelievable. So Jadeja and Ashwin, the two dynamite bowlers, are opening the bowling. Jadeja, four for sixty-three. He really is uh, a fine, fine cricketer. Uh, but Nathan Lyon was in the in the play as well. Nathan Lyon had a reasonable day. Yeah, he did. Uh, the goat, as they like to call him. Decent day, but man, you got to wonder, on a pitch that is turning like it's day three on day one, what is it going to look like on day three if they even get there? Well, uh, the crew at SCN chatted to him uh, after stumps. Nathan Lyon, thanks for joining SEN Test Cricket. Three wickets for you, bowl at India for 109. It was a wild day of Test Cricket, though. There can't be many you've played in, in that have gone quite that way over your long journey in, in international cricket. Oh, it's exciting, isn't it? Um, I just said before, if the, when the ball starts spinning, there seems to be a lot more eyes come on the TV. So, I mm. know, uh, oh, I think it's great viewing. Uh, it's a great spectacle, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good challenge. You had the ball turning square personally from the moment you came into the attack, that Pajara ball especially that stood out. I mean, you know more about surfaces than, than most. Uh, your impression of what you saw on day one? Um, yeah, I'm not obviously surprised. Um, I didn't come down to training yesterday, but the, when we saw when I saw it here on our main training session, it was pretty dry um, and a lot drier than what uh, I was probably expecting. Uh, even though we're coming to indoor, usually it's been a good bat, really good batting wicket, I've been told in the past. But, uh, um, yeah... It's, it's exactly what I, what I expected, to be honest. So it's um, yeah, good fun. Uh, on that, Nathan, uh, it's one thing about balls turning from the rough areas, but here the ball was turning from the middle of the pitch. Uh, so when you are dealt a pitch like that, like, how does it change your bowling or like, how do you have to deal with that? Uh, no, it's just when it's turning off the good part of the wicket, it's, uh, bloody becomes exciting. So uh, it's about doing the basics really well and actually going to nullify you're, what you're trying to do is make it really simple and try and keep it as simple as you can. And I think on, on big turning wickets, the harder you try, the further away it gets type thing. So it's about just doing the basics for long periods of time. Um, it's probably the best way I can put it. Uh, and just, uh, you know, people will talk a lot about the pitch, but there were some outstanding pieces of bowling from you and Matthew Kuhneman and Todd Murphy that got you all the wickets. So just as a spin trial, uh, just at, how do you see, how did you think they went? Uh, it's something, something I'm very proud of, seeing the two young spinners uh, come in and, and play a role um, throughout throughout this test series. Um, and I don't know, hopefully I've been able to pass on a little bit of wisdom, a bit of knowledge here, here or there, or a little bit of guidance. But it, I've really enjoyed bowling with them in, in tandem, but also in the nets and a lot of conversations. And they both love cricket, and it's just amazing to see how much they want to learn. So if I can pass on a little bit of knowledge here or there, or just my experiences, and hopefully I'm doing the right thing. But it's something that I'm very proud of to to see these young guys out come out here at the top level and, and perform in these conditions because it can be challenging, playing, especially playing against some of these absolute superstars. Yeah, they are superstars, the Indian batsmen, and usually they handle spin a good deal better than uh, they were able to cope with Australia's attack yesterday. The trio of uh, bowlers that they've put together there will have to be instrumental again, I figure. Uh, Australia, if they can get a lead of 100, they'll be more than chuffed about that, and that'll give them a, a great uh, credit to start the second innings, but India will play better. No worries about that. India will play better in the second innings. Australia, I'm predicting, might have a tasty little chase to win this test match, uh, whether it's uh, day three in the afternoon or the fourth morning, if it gets that far. But it's going to happen real quick. And uh, as you heard from Nathan Lyon, he's loving every second of spin dominating, even out of the good patches of the pitch. So that was our review of Australia versus India. Third test, uh, first day in indoor. 
Uh, we'll have a panel. They might uh, want to talk a, a little bit about that. Jared Cronin, in particular, being an Australian, uh, he, he would uh, like some. Yeah, he'll uh, like an opinion on that, I'm sure. So uh, he's based over there, and of course, uh, along with Sam Ackerman, uh, they will look at the pitch surface, and they will also look at the NRL coming up. But Jerry Cronin is a New Zealander living in Australia. New Zealander living in Australia. Absolutely, Jared. I apologise wholeheartedly for that, and we haven't even made contact with you. Ten seventeen. Help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Panel this morning, uh, Jared Cronin out of Australia, Sam Ackerman, uh, of course, uh, as a New Zealand-based rugby league fan, sports fan in general. So, Sam, can I start before we get on to the league? What about them black caps, eh? Did you see that coming? No, anyone who says they did um, is a liar. Uh, it's a bare-faced <laughs> lines here, Smitty, because it, look, the first that first session we're going, hang on here, hang on here, and then England showed that they've got you know, that that could have crumpled many teams. England had the confidence to back themselves, and I love the way that England backed themselves, you know, right through. They could have easily, you know, parked it a lot more, and I can just feel sorry for for Jimmy Anderson, but you know, this is he's inflicted all kinds of punishment on so many cricketers through the years. He deserves to have a few moments um, that go along. It's it is such a joy to be a sports fan when you. Put yourself in the position to witness those moments. So the, any accolades the, the Black Caps get to come from what was a effectively a down trail in the in the first test uh, here in Tauranga, and it was it, the wind really came out of the sails. And we've been talking a lot about this is not the same Black Caps team what it was, but what we have got from that incredible Golden Black Caps era is this inner confidence to back themselves in the right situation. And I don't think that this team achieves that result without going through the greatness they have in that period. And then that's what makes that special. It was a backs-against-the-wall win against an extremely good side. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, hats off to everybody involved with uh, that Black Caps performance because when you're forced to follow on, well, it's only a couple of teams have managed to achieve this in, um, in Test cricket full stop, let alone in the fashion they did by one run. I, I saw some insane stat that you know there's literally a, a couple of Test matches that have been decided uh, by one run like that. So yeah, amazing, pure theatre and um, it gives all of us who uh, love test cricket that moment to say see 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 this is what we're talking about you don't get that in the t20 not like that you don't get that in a one day not like that it is it's why uh, it's the purest favorite uh, form and i can't see that ever changing so not now uh, sam if you're gary stead and gavin larson do you do you sit back and say okay we won that one so uh, these guys deserve a second chance or from that point of view, do you say, right, we got out of that one, uh, but we need to keep going forward? So next test against uh, Sri Lanka is, what, seven days away now. What would you do? Well, the big the big question is, and I say this when it comes to um, second coaches, onto any other move, is who, who for? What, who do you have that you bring in you think will get a better result? Because, yep, they got away with it, and I don't think that that should be a hall pass um, for uh, everyone in that team to um, hold on to their positions. But I, I, cer- I certainly feel that if they go, right, well, we weren't happy with the performance, and we believe that player X coming in is a game changer, then by all means they should make changes. But 
I don't know. I, I kind of look at the depth and go, where, where, where are those changes, Smitty? I, I feel like there's almost a, an argument to be had that, 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 that we're not seeing the best in general out of the black kits right now, but are you just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic by bringing in players who, can produce, who aren't necessarily going to produce different results? I think you've got to go forward, Sam. I think you've got to keep going forward and... Um a slight change of attitude as well and um, and back yourself but we're still a specialist down uh, for mine we still haven't got a spinner uh, we yes. still uh, need another seam bowler and we still haven't sorted out number four or five uh, to be perfectly honest so uh, okay that's the cricketing side of things and uh, the night that uh, you've been waiting for for quite some time has arrived uh, almost the storm against the eels kicking it off tonight how do you see that yeah, I'm glad, those first three months of the year just wasted. It's, it's two and a half, I should say. It's, it's good to get into the real sport now. Um, Smitty cannot wait. Um, I am very excited to see uh, league back at that scale, of course. But you know, I, I personally, the first game of the first round sorry, of the season always brings so much intrigue to me, just because I, I, it's an opportunity to see where everybody's at. You know, it, it's not just uh, not just wanting to see the Warriors go first, but you know, the Storm. Now, look, they've still got you know, arguably the the best. Uh, halves pairing uh, in the comp. Your Panthers might um, disagree with that. And, uh, and I'm really interested to see what Munster and, and Hughes can do with this team because they are right now a front row and a halves pairing. This is not the dominant Storm team. They've lost you know, something like 700-plus games' worth of experience uh, out of this time, including the Bromwich boys and, uh, and Brandon Smith. Um, so, you know, it's a real strong Kiwi contingent. But we know that they've always, they being the Storm, always had this incredible ability to bring players into a position and play the role they're supposed to play even when they lost uh, key players along the way like uh, Cooper Cronk they they found other players to be that role that they needed not not necessarily uh, be a, a, a different player but to fill the role required it's uh, this if this Bellamy's uh, last season if he can make this team a great team and a genuine title contender then it'll be among his uh, great accolades to show that he can he can do it with anyone not just uh, a gifted generation of players and the Eels uh, you know, went close last year, and I, I don't know. People think that window's closed, but well, um, their chance to win a title. I'd, I'd be very keen to see how they go today, uh, just to just to see if they've still got that punch. Okay, right. Uh, Jared Cronin joins us um, out of Australia. Jared, excitement levels are high over here. Uh, we'll get onto the Warriors shortly, but it does kick off tonight with the Storm and the Eels in a relatively uh, new look Storm, as uh, Sam has pointed out. How are you looking at the opening encounter? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge one, actually. There is, it's almost fever pitch over here in Sydney, I can tell you that much. People have been really, really hanging out to see some footy, uh, some real decent footy. And man, what a start we've got with the Storm up against the Eels. Uh, going to be a, a huge clash. Uh, obviously, the Storm have lost a few troops from last year. Uh, as have the Eels, they've lost a couple of guys from their grand final side as well. So it's going to be an interesting sort of, uh, just to kind of see how these teams have adjusted and who's going to basically fill in the spots that have been filled by more experienced campaigners. Obviously, the Storm have got a, a huge sort of hole in their Ford pack. A lot of experience has gone out the door. Um, so they've got new guys coming through, uh, including uh, former warrior uh, Elias Katoa, uh, which will be exciting to see how he goes um, up against uh, a, a pretty solid Parramatta Eels Ford pack. Right, OK. Uh, that leads us to tomorrow night then, uh, Sam. 
and uh, I, I think uh, we, we need to look at uh, the Warriors. In fact, I'll tell you what we'll do, Sam and, and Jerry. We'll take a quick news break first, and then we'll get into the teeth of the Warriors uh, against the Knights tomorrow. So here's Araha with a quick uh, update, uh, and then uh, we'll get into the serious stuff. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, it's tomorrow night. It's at Sky Stadium in Wellington. It is the Warriors, uh, their first game of the season against the Newcastle Knights, hosting them down there. Uh, Sam Ackerman and uh, Jared Cronin are with us to look uh, a bit more closely at this game. And first of all, Sam, the lineup for the Warriors, predictable for you? And, and what, do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty close to the um, the strongest side I can imagine the Warriors putting out at this stage. Joe Stavanger's uh, injured and he, to me, comes in as to 13 with, with ease. Uh, I know he can be great off the bench too, but I, I'd like him to start personally. I think he's incredible there. Um, there will be, uh, and uh, I've already heard uh, many of the uh, the pangs of frustration of, uh, oh, Sean Johnson, why are you persevering with him? Well, look, first of all, he was always going to start. Andrew Webster was always going to give him the ball and say, Here's, it's yours your chance to push through that. It's up to you what you do with this from uh, from here. Sean Johnson, uh, like him or not, uh, it certainly has earned that right, and I, I would have picked him in seven every time. Luke Metcalf uh, being injured certainly made that decision easier, in, in my opinion, but I'm looking forward to seeing how he fits in with uh, Tamari Martin, and there's a couple of players uh, that we are outside of the players we know um, will deliver that I'm really looking forward to. I get, I've got this inkling inside me, and in in my just in my, I feel it in my waters, uh, Smitty, that uh, Mitchell Barnett has about become my new favourite warrior. I, I loved him in Newcastle, who's incidentally taking up first up. He's got the, he's got a bit of that Michael Luck to him, but with a bit more size um, than than Milky had when he played. So I, I don't know. I feel that he's got that kind of backbone of the forward pack, and I think he's going to relieve a lot of the workload on someone like a, a Tohu Harris, which can allow him to use his ball playing skills more. So yeah, excited to see him, uh, Braden Williamy in the in the centres. As well, uh, I think he's, his um, the way he can distribute the ball, his distribution will really add uh, a lot to the side, and uh, I think Watson's Lesniak will, will really benefit from it. So there's, uh, there's, there's a lot to like. Dylan Walker's X factor off the bench as he passed it. Does he still have what made him a superstar? I mean, if he does, geez, the Warriors have struck gold and they haven't had a, a real killer. Wow, can do anything five eight in the in the ball playing category of of Dylan Walker at his best um, since Lance Ohio, in my opinion. So, a, a lot to like about this team. Um, but you know, it's, they're great on paper. Let's see how they go on grass. Okay, Jarrett, uh, Warriors. Your your take on the Warriors and where's the danger from the Knights' point of view? Yeah, well, obviously, a lot of the uh, the news centering around the Knights has been Kalen Ponga's switch to 5-8. So, really, I think a lot of the game is going to come down to how much the Warriors can pressure Kalen and try and make him, you know, force him into errors that he otherwise wouldn't have done. He's not playing in a, a, a totally familiar position. He's played there before, but this is a, a real step up in terms of committing to the number six jersey. So, our boys need to get up in his face, try and shut down his space as best they can. And also just try and limit what he can do, uh, you know, creating holes for his his runners outside him. Uh, I'm really interested to see how just how Tohu Harris leads this Warriors team against the Knights. Uh, in terms of the the backline for the Knights, they've got a couple of good young players in there. Obviously, Dominic Young was a star at the World Cup. Kalen Ponga mentioned him before, uh, but it's probably up front where their strength lies in the Knights. So uh, it's going to be the challenge for the Warriors, big boys up front to take it to them, try and lay a good platform, uh, and then out wide, uh, it's, it's going to be the really the the combination between your your spine of uh, Wade Egan, Tohu Harris, 
Um, and then the halves, Sean Johnson, Tim Idea, Martin, and, and how they operate in terms of creating a little bit further out wide for our, our boys to hopefully go and score a bunch of tries. Uh, I, I kind of, and I hate to use this phrase, Sam, uh, so early on in the piece, um, but I kind of think for the sake of everybody in this part of the world, this is almost a must win. Yeah, it, it, it certainly would take a lot of the wind out of the sails. Um, it's must win in the in the terms of deception, Smitty, more than it is about the uh, there is a loss here won't be won't have a well hopefully wouldn't have any major detrimental chances to where they uh, end up finishing. Every game counts, all that jazz. But certainly, as far as confidence for this team and in this team goes, this night's team. Is beatable. Look, Caelan Pye at his best, absolute world better, a- ab- absolutely. And I, I agree with Jed about the pack as well. I, I, I like what the uh, Knights have to bring. I don't think they'll be a pushover, but they haven't been great. They were very poor last year, uh, and I think this Warriors side at home, um, by home, I mean New Zealand, of course, uh, in, uh, in Wellington, uh, with what they've got—a new coach and so much to run for and and, and to achieve—I I agree in the concept of. Uh, the public quarter public opinion, a loss here will be too many people just to go up. Ah, same old warriors. I'll slot them away for now. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna worry uh, about them until um, they give me a reason to. But we're, a win here uh, puts them right in the topic of conversation. Um, yeah, Jared. What about other matchups uh, over the weekend? What are you, what are you looking forward to? I tell you what, from a historical perspective, I'm really looking forward to the Dolphins Roosters match. Uh, and that's not to say that the result will be, you know, really up in the air. You'd expect the Roosters to go up and really confidently put away the new boys, uh, Wayne Bennett's team. But I, I just think just from a yeah, from a, a pure historical perspective, we haven't seen a new team in the NRL since uh, I believe the Titans in 2007. So it's been a long time between drinks since we, you know, brought in a new team and, and all that comes with it. It's always such a, a special occasion. You, you often think back to 1995 when the Warriors came into the league in the first game against the Broncos. And even just talking about it now, it gets me a little bit excited. So I want to see a little bit of that spark, a little bit of that juice. Uh, it may well be a, a heavy victory uh, for the Roosters, never, never right off a Wayne Bennett team, but, uh, but yeah, from a just a, a pure standpoint of a, a, a neutral fan, I really want to see what that game brings and and how everyone embraces the new team, the Dolphins. Okay, um, Sam, uh, let's talk about a little bit about uh, the All Blacks. Uh, I mean, we've had you on every week uh, for ever it seems, which has been great, and every week we talk about the, this particular subject, but can we finally put it to bed now, because Dame Patsy Reddy has stood up and said, we will give you the name of the new all-black coach in the next four to six weeks, which goes against the grain from what the incumbent wanted, but at least they've made a decision. Yeah, and I think like Ian, Ian Foster's uh, card was clearly marked when they made that decision, um, and he's made the right call to pull out. And uh, as you know, Smitty, I've been kind of touting that uh, if, if I was Ian Foster give it, from mid-year last year, I would have said, you know what, I'm done after the World Cup. Stuff your job, um, the way I've been treated, the way that the public's gone after me. It's not worth this, even if it is your, your dream to coach the All Blacks. Go, going on past the World Cup would have always seemed insane to me. So I, I, yeah, I think it's great that he can put all his eggs in one basket and he can get Every player there committed going, do you know what? I don't. I can't promise you your jersey next year. I can't promise you what your future is under whoever the new coach is going to be. But I can promise you this. This is your opportunity to win a World Cup. All you guys leaving, this is it. Your last chance. Let's put this together. I get to do the uh, the motivational thing that you've seen so many coaches who bow out uh, get to do. Trust me. 
in, in 2011, the Warriors do not make the grand final if Ivan Cleary was signed for the next season. The do it for Ivan factor drove them immensely and changed things incredibly because he didn't think about the future. He worried about the then and now and the then and now only. Foster's got that to do. He doesn't have to think about any future plans, who's signing, who's doing anything. And I think that's of benefit to this campaign. And I think that uh, a smart operator uh, can definitely work that advantage to the players. We'll be talking about it for the next four to six weeks because there'll be another uh, leak come from somewhere that so-and-so's in the running or so, suddenly so-and-so won't do it or the Blues won't release so-and-so from a contract to be an assistant coach. There's a lot of conversations to have, but we are close to having something that looks definitive. And I actually think once the coach is in, the uh, new coach is named, and it's going to left it for what it is. And if, in, if the New Zealand rugby is prepared to say, when you accept this job, you put a gag on talking about the All Blacks until the All Blacks are done, I think that should be a prerequisite, whether it's Robertson, um, Joseph, or whoever. So it's not, my, I take over next year. I'm not going to pass comment on, on what this is. I back this team to do well. I think that should be a, a prerequisite, and we can actually talk about the All Blacks of 2023 and the campaign for itself. Well, Jared, uh, all uh, Super Games, are, of course, are uh, in Melbourne this weekend, so uh, I imagine we'll see uh, Eddie Jones very prominently casting his eye over exactly what's going on and not having to move too far uh, he wouldn't have liked what he saw uh, with the Hurricanes knocking over the Reds comfortably last week, though. No, absolutely not. Bit of a uh, a real fizzer, I guess, from the Reds' perspective to kick off the season. As always, they've come into the season with high hopes and really to get absolutely blasted off the park there by the Hurricanes, albeit you know a, a pretty good team. Uh, the the Reds will be yes, yeah, they'll be really hurting after that one. They'll want to bounce back and bounce back pretty quickly. Uh, they've also maybe just lost a little bit of a step in terms of momentum with um, Daniela Tupou, um signing on from next year for the Melbourne Rebels. So mm. a little bit of an outward movement, I guess. A few players having been lost from the past couple of successful campaigns, but. Yeah, Eddie Jones is going to really want to see just a little bit of fire from his Australian teams, especially for this round. They they really get behind it in Melbourne. They're they're trying to really pump it up and you know get excited and capture a bit of the magic that the NRL Magic Round has captured. Uh, and so the, the only way to really do that is for your teams to perform at a high level. So from an Australian perspective, they'll really be looking for them to to compete against you know the, the Kiwi teams course the hurricanes playing the rebels um uh, also um so the the blues brumbies as well so there's going to be a couple of good matchups in there that really are going to be interesting to to see just how things are really placed in a world cup year so fascinating from a kiwi perspective as always uh but also uh yeah as you say eddie jones is going to be in there keeping a, a real close eye on just exactly what's going on jared cronin's been with us this morning out of australia and uh, sam ackerman of course um, every week we have Sam and uh, strong league content this morning. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it uh, from both of you. Uh, hopefully we'll have another panel around the same time tomorrow morning. It is uh, 10.42 here on SENZ. Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Well, Louis Herman Watt uh, joins us, of course. We did the live draw for the uh, derby yesterday, which was uh, a lot of fun and quite revealing. Uh, racing today at uh, Rotorua. But before we get started on one for the day, Louis, uh, yesterday Michael McNabb continues on his tear. Uh, amazing. Val Desoldo for Tony Pike winning the Lowland as well. That's right. Val what can he do? 100th win for the year. Bang. Just like that. And honestly... 
about five weeks ago or a month ago, I reckon if I was Craig Gills, I was thinking, oh, I reckon I'm in a red-hot chance here. If I can keep riding in decent form with some nice rides, I'm going to pin my nabber down and maybe break his spirit by the end of March, end of February. Nope. Nebber has just kicked into overdrive, and he rode so many winners through the, the month of February. I, I honestly think it was close to 30, like a winner a day or something. It's it's quite sensational to watch. And, you know, the best thing about him as a punter is when you watch Nebber, you just are never worried about where he gets the horse. He can win off the top. He can win from back in the pack. He can win sitting one out. He's not a one-trick pony. At the moment, he is feeling every asset of his game to the uh, the most unbelievable extent and the beautiful hands he has and the rhythms he gets horses into it it's really quite something to watch at the moment you, you haven't seen many people ride like this in New Zealand in this you know extended vein of form outside Opie Boston for a wee while so oh, I'm so happy to sing his praises because I think he's worked extremely hard and he will be feeling very proud of himself to this point uh, I think so as well uh, racing Rotorua today, 10 races, uh, beginning at uh, 12.25. Well, I tipped this out this morning, and, and it's kind of what we were talking about. Race one, he's beast, Michael McNabb, Tony Pike. Race four, Rotorua, Michael McNabb, Tony Pike. I think they'll both be winning. I think it's a pretty easy multi to take. Okay, um, and the Derby, of course, um, now that we're uh, 24 hours after the barrier draw. Um, no change of mind there? Or sh um, sharp and smart, it's there to lose? Yeah, I mean, you'd think so. I've looked at it long and hard. Um, maybe you can make a case for a horse like Desert Lightning up over 2,400. Um, he seems to have sorted out his racing style. He seems to calm down a lot more. And the other one that I'm interested in is Mark Twain at long odds. I think he's in about 15 bucks. I just know he's going to see the distance out being a shocking, and he kind of looks a little bit untapped still. So, yeah, there's there's a couple of different ways if you want to cuddle a few at long odds. Dynastic, we know, has got that top-end class to win these brilliant races. So there are a couple you can cuddle. But I think if you've got a ticket on Sharp and Smart anywhere around the $2 mark or more, I think you can pretty hold it pretty close to your chest. Um, go sleep easy tonight, tomorrow night, and uh, just enjoy the derby. Okay, Louis, uh, we'll catch up with you again uh, same time tomorrow morning because we'll have a, a closer look at those fields uh, at uh, Tarapa in particular and maybe a little racing coming in from Australia. So uh, Louis Herman Watt with us there. Um, I can tell you now if you're a Spurs fan... Uh, we won't be winning uh, the FA Cup this year. Sorry. Uh, we just got rolled by Sheffield United 1-0. So uh, I'll give you more score updates uh, before 11 o'clock. And also, uh, we'll be talking uh, to the TAB about what's in store today in terms of sports betting. You succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. All right, joined by Paul Moati on a day which includes... Racing at Rotorua, trots at Addington, greyhounds at Manukau and Addington. So busy old day on the racing front. Sports-wise, so the Paul, uh, we've got the beginning of the NRL, a long-awaited date on the calendar. Exactly, and NRL fans can't wait for the start tonight. What at around just around ten o'clock p ten pm tonight, uh, Parramatta Eels will be taking on 
the Melbourne Storm, two teams that look significantly different uh, from what they did last season with a number of departures. Uh, a lot of that Melbourne with the Bromwich brothers leaving the Storm, Brandon Smith leaving. They're still a dollar seventy favourite though the Melbourne Storm uh, against the Parramatta Eels who are two dollars and eleven cents. Um, we've had slightly more money on the Melbourne Storm, but there's not a lot in it, uh, to be fair, in that head-to-head market. Um, having a look down the page, the, the boys have put together a number of power plays. Um, there's a couple of popular ones there. Uh, one of them is Xavier Coates, first or second try scorer, and Melbourne win 1-12 to at $10. We've also got a boosted market. Mike Acevo or Xavier Coates, first try scorer. That's been boosted from $4.50 out to $5.00. Uh, and that has been very, very popular with punters. And let's not forget tomorrow night, the New Zealand Warriors start their season down here in Wellington, and they are favourites to start the season. They're $1.54. They're another team that has a new look about them, a new coach, Andrew Webster. Will he be make the difference for them this season? Newcastle Knights have drifted out to 240 now in the head-to-head market. Warriors taking around 70% of turnover in the head-to-head market and are now $1.54. We've also got a boosted market there from the boys. Marcello Montoya to be the first or second try scorer was $4, boosted out to $5. That's been picked up by punters. And I can tell you, in the anytime try scorer market, uh, one player that has been backed to score a try during that game, Chance Nickel Klockstad, the fullback for the Warriors, he's $3 to score a try tomorrow. And he's been uh, very, very popular with punters. Paul Mowati from the TAB with uh, all the sports options, particularly around uh, the NRL. Paul, thanks very much uh, for your time today. I'll give you some football updates, folks, just so we head into uh, the news as well. Um, and as I said, uh, not a good uh, morning for Spurs fans. They've been beaten 1-0 by Sheffield United. Also in the FA Cup, there won't be any replays because we've got results in all the games. Manchester United, uh, you got up over West Ham 3-1. Uh, Burnley, um, uh, Logan pointed out that Fleetwood had a red card. Well, in the end, that was costly. Burnley beat them 1-0. Um, but Grimsby uh, managed to get up 2-1 over Southampton, which was uh, a big result for them. So the other results um, in the FA Cup. Uh, in terms of uh, the Premier League this morning, uh, wins for Arsenal, 4-0 over Everton. And, of course, Liverpool, uh, much needing victories, uh, Liverpool, for everyone's sake. Uh, they beat Wolves 2-0, so uh, they were the results there. Uh, we're going to get into the golf side of things straight after the break with Michael Glading, live from the Open in Queenstown. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's 11.03 here on SENZ, and this is a terrific day for uh, golfers, golf fans, and golf administrators because the New Zealand Open uh, is about uh, three hours uh, into its first day, and that, of course, after uh, a couple of years' hiatus because of COVID, uh, that just hasn't been able to get off the ground. But uh, the day has arrived, and uh, one of those uh, gentlemen who's been uh, hanging out for it because he's been so instrumental in organising it over the years is uh, one Michael Glading, a regular on the show. Michael, good morning to you. Um, it must be thrilling to look out the window uh, or wander the fairways and see golf in action. It's quite amazing, Smithy. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we worked it out. 1,096 days since the last uh, cut sunk. 
till the first tee shot. So uh, it's quite a long uh, gap between trips, but it's uh, fabulous. A beautiful day down here, and so far everything's going, uh, everything's running on schedule. So that's, from my point of view, that's pretty important. Well, it's uh, some good signs um, all round. Um, I just wonder if uh, if you've had any word, if you look at the two courses, do you think uh, of the Coronet Remarkables, any word back from uh, the pros, etc., which do you think that the uh, one to favour scoring on? I think uh, scoring-wise, particularly today, which is a benign, sunny, beautiful day, uh, I think you're going to find the remarkable scores will probably bring in the lower scores. Um, it'll be very interesting to see that. Of course, this is the very first time we've used both courses here for this tournament. So, But I, 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 my, my gut feel is that the remarkables is one that the, uh, it's a sl- slightly shorter course. I think the pros will sort of overpower it to some degree in such benign conditions. The other course is a bit more exposed. So again, uh, but we've got a beautiful day today, so that's not going to bother too many people. But um, tomorrow the forecast is a little bit different. So I think those that have got the, uh, perhaps those that have got the Coronet course today probably uh, got a slightly better part of the draw, funnily enough. Well, Michael, uh, often commentators uh, and uh people who um, who know the game very well will look at a tournament and say there is a number which will probably, you'll have to shoot to be in contention or perhaps to win this tournament. Uh, we're looking uh, with this early scoring, I'm looking at, and we'll get onto that shortly, uh, we're looking at a number in the red. In the red. Uh, wh- what are you thinking? It's so hard, isn't it, Scotty? It's a bit like uh, trying to win a lot of that one, I reckon. Uh, I mean, I, I think you know, you'd have to say, I don't think we're going to get up to that sort of, you know, high 20s number that we got to one year when it was dry and fast and, and benign. Uh, again, it's so much weather dependent. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if if you get wind, it just it just changes things. Uh, it's it's a bit variable. By and large, the forecast is okay. Um, but yeah, if, if I had to say anything, I'd say it, it'll be high teens to be my gut feeling. Okay, high teens. We'll uh, keep an eye on that. Right, yeah, now, we'll let's we'll uh, look at yeah, we'll stick with that. Uh, Michael Gladding said it here. Uh, right, okay. Let's look at um, let's look at uh, the early action um, and early tea times for uh, one or two of your uh, prominent New Zealand golfers who are prominent. I see on the leaderboard from the outset. What a good sign that is. Oh, fabulous. We've got uh, Steve Elker and Dan Hillier playing together, and Dan uh, at the moment is sharing the lead at four hundred and Steve Elker three hundred. So yeah, it couldn't be better so far. Nice start. It is a nice start, um, and uh, if I look down the, the scoreboard, there's a nice mix there. Uh, Jane McKenzie from Australia got off a, to a hot start with an eagle and a birdie, so um, they're playing this course uh, confidently at a lot of players uh, in, um, in red numbers already. Yeah, as I say, we've got, very, we've got just beautiful conditions this morning. It couldn't be better. There's not a cloud in the sky. There's hardly any wind, uh, and the course is in magnificent condition, so it's certainly a scoring day, no question. Uh, and I think that'll be true so, with you off morning or afternoon. So logistically, uh, just explain to us uh, how that works. Again, I know uh, people wanting to go because, of course, free entry, which is absolutely uh, a wonderful concept and a wonderful gesture. Uh, but um, they play a course one day, another one tomorrow. Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. So this is the first time we say that we've run both courses here at the one venue. So uh, as you say, from a spectator point of view, you can actually be, you know, you can follow whoever you want. You don't have to pick your day. Um, but yeah, they, we play the two courses here. And then come Saturday, we drop down to one course effectively. And that one course is largely the Coronet course, other than we take one hole out and we bring back in uh, what is the 18th hole on the Remarkables course. So we play, it is a composite course, but it's actually 17 holes of Coronet and one hole on uh, on Remarkables. But 
but uh, which allows us to finish on the dramatic par three, which we just love as a finishing hole. Absolutely, what a spectacle that has, of course, with uh, the prize. You better reiterate the prize that uh, Millbrook have put up uh, on that particular hole. Yeah, we've got that's uh, pretty pretty unique actually. So the, the, this year celebrates. In fact, it's actually I think it's on Monday. It's officially the thirtieth year that this uh, wonderful resort's been in place. So uh, uh, to celebrate their thirtieth anniversary, they're giving away. If somebody does get a hole in one, they get thirty years. Uh, thirty for thirty years, they get a week's holiday at Millbrook. Rather nice. I, I just hope I live that long. <laughs> Wouldn't that be, I'd be tight take 10, uh, to be perfectly honest, Michael. Hey, what about the, the amateur side of things? Uh, they've, all, they've all turned up, they're all a good nook, and have you heard any reports of anything startling from any of our star amateurs? Uh, no, I haven't actually, but uh, they've all turned up. And uh, look, at the end of the day, Whilst it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, the pros, of course, are playing for a purse of 1.7 million, so it's a very serious event. But it's also a fun event, and and uh, you know, the amateurs, a lot of them have asked me, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And I said, you know what, your main thing is you just got to go out and enjoy it, and uh, uh, hopefully that's exactly what most of them will do. They, they, a lot of them get very, very nervous. I can tell you, it's great to watch. <laughs> Well, I can tell you as we've been speaking, and you probably know this anyway, but Stephen Elka's uh, birdie the 11th, so uh, we've now got your two marquee Kiwi players uh, atop the leaderboard. I mean, could you have scripted that better? No, working on that one, Fitz, but that was definitely in the script, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Right, um, just on the, the... the downside of it, and I don't want to cast any downside of things on golf, really, particularly as you're celebrating this uh, wonderful week of golf in New Zealand. But uh, you'll have an, you, I like your opinions on uh, on things around the game. Um, uh, Danny Lee's gone; uh, he's gone to live golf. Um, I'm kind of thinking to myself, this is just me. Um, I might be completely wrong, but I, I'm all still saying good riddance. I'm a, I'm in that frame of mind. You know, I, I, I don't blame any golfer for going, you know, where, where there's a lot of money. And the reality is that Danny, I guess, has been relatively struggling on PGA Tour compared in, in recent years compared with his, uh, you know, what, five or six years ago when he was, uh, well, he won a tournament and, and looking very strong on PGA Tour. He's not looking anything like a strong. And I guess, you know, you cannot blame him or knock him for somebody coming along and offering him who knows how many, you know, $30, $40 million to, to sign on the dotted line and go and play what I kind of perceive to be relatively relatively exhibition golf with certainly no, relatively little pressure so you know you, on, on an individual basis I don't think you can look at any any of those guys that have signed and say more for them I guess for my mind the one that was most surprising was Cameron Smith you know who just won the British mm. Open and and uh, and you know that's the one you'd kind of say really but you know again at the end of the day it, obviously the the size of the checkbook was rather large so you, you can't blame a professional sportsman doing that I don't you know but uh, to my mind it just kind of I don't know. You, you do feel as a, as I maybe I'm too old, Smithy, but you know you just feel as a, as an old fashioned sports fan that taking them out of the out of uh, what I perceive to be the com- really most competitive part of the game is I think it's a bit sad. But on an individual basis, I don't blame anybody really. Okay, uh, that's um, it's nice to hear. But I, I'm with you, and I think the key word you mentioned there is pressure. That's pressureless golf. There's absolutely pressureless golf, uh, and that is one of the great yeah. things about. Testing yourself in any sport is being able to handle the pressure of, uh, you know, the last nine holes of a major or or a big tournament. And when you haven't got that factor, and you're basically guaranteed um, anyway, I can't see that. But one who isn't guaranteed is teeing it up for us on our behalf, Arnold Palmer Invitational this weekend. The reason why he can't be with you down in Queenstown, Ryan Fox, what uh, what a month of golf he's got in front of him.
Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, he's um, uh, he actually sent a really nice note through. Uh, you know, wishing us all the best. So his heart's still here at the Open, but um, it's it's just you know we we all wish him the very best. I mean, I think that Foxy is uh, he's good enough to win on the PGA Tour, and uh, I, amongst many others, have told him that. And and he actually said, you know what, I, I'm now starting to believe it. So uh, that's that's fantastic. I think he is. I, uh, you know, let's hope that this is a breakthrough month for him. Um, but if not this month, there will be that time. I think he's good enough to make it there. He's just so long. He's so good. He's got such a great attitude. Um, you know, I, we just we just love the guy. And so I think he's so great for the game in New Zealand, wherever he mm, plays. I, think, oh, I do too. I think he's a great ambassador. Yeah. So um, uh, what a great time for golf. Uh, Michael, I'll let you get back to uh, the duties of the day. And um, uh, we thank you very much for your, your time this morning and just setting the scene for us. And... Uh, Stephen Elker, um, Dan Hillier, right up the top of the leaderboard, which is uh, a wonderful start for all concerned. Thank you for your time, Michael. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Total pleasure. Thanks very much, Smithy. Cheers, uh, Michael Glading there, uh, live from uh, Queenstown, of course, at the Millbrook Resort, where on the Coronet and Remarkables courses, the New Zealand Open is uh, underway and will continue to give uh, scores throughout the day. I'm sure Staffy will this afternoon as well. Key players, key New Zealanders in action. It's 11.13 here on SENZ. Smithy uh, and Live Golf have responded in numerous ways. Uh, Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter, two of the most vocal about the changes. This is what uh, Ian Poulter had to say. Sounds very similar to another product that's been spoken so badly about by media and commentators. The Live Golf uh, Twitter account said themselves, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Congratulations, PGA Tour. Welcome to the future. And then Lee Westwood uh, chipped in with, I've spent the last year reading how good full fields and cuts are. And you wonder, what does Rory McIlroy think in all this, Smithy? Well, he said, apparently he is in favour of the concept. He said, we've always had no-cut events on this tour, so there is a precedent there. The only reason no-cut events are a big deal is because Liv has come along. There's been no-cut events before since I've been a member of the tour and way beyond that as well. Is there going to be a few more? Maybe. It keeps the stars there for four days, and if you ask MasterCard or whoever else pays $20 million for a golf event, they want to see the stars at the weekend. They want to guarantee the stars are there. So, kind of interesting that PGA are forced to make some more changes changes there uh, and yeah live golfers I guess maybe looking at it and wondering hmm copying the homework perhaps mm. interesting very interesting I mean uh, it's just in the news all the time golf at the moment for uh, that particular reason uh, and you know they're just looking to make innovative changes and sort of um, it's turning into a proverbial contest isn't it between them uh, coming up with uh, schemes etc and uh, just trying to impress and of course at the moment um, when you do look at a live field, um, uh, uh, and there, are, I mean, there's some hell of a good names. Um, I, I've been watching too. I, I watched the uh, Logan. I, I watched the full swing uh, part two, the one that features Brooks Kepka. Ah, Boy, yes, good episode. What an int- what an interesting man Brooks Kepka is. I mean, I, I don't think there was a uh, like a, a head guru. I didn't see a head guru floating around. Someone that deals with his emotions as such. But he's got his job cut out, that guy, because does he have ups and downs of the highest order? <laughs> yeah, dealing with performance and his injuries and all that sort of stuff. I know, I mean, the life of a, of a uh, professional golfer can be pretty tough, but if you perform, there's some pretty good paydays, that's for sure. I'm glad you're watching it, Smithy, because it is a very interesting insight. And I, have for one, during this whole PGA Live Tour thing, 
I've tried to not really take sides. I want to see where this goes. Is Liv going to push the sport f- further? Is it going to help the PGA Tour, uh, you know, innovate and find new ways to bring people in uh, and also keep fans that they currently have? And, of course, we are seeing the PGA Tour making changes there. Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy are doing their thing. But I do find that the sort of – I mean, there's a lot of people that will say, oh, well, you know, I can't watch Liv Golf. But I do think they are targeting probably more of a younger generation – um, excluding that weird TV deal that they have in the States and CW. I don't understand that at all. But it is streaming. Um, it was all free last year on YouTube. It's still free now, but you have to download their app. And I did watch a lot of the Mexico one because I wanted to see how Cameron Smith did. Uh, I had a little chat with uh, his caddy, Sam Pinfold, after the match, just sort of you know chatting on, on Insta because he did take that shot. I told you about that shot that he hit off the concrete. Apparently yeah. his club... Totally fine. Totally clean. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good because uh, it's not like he's got, hadn't got enough money to pay for another one. <laughs> not that he's ever paid for anything in his life for such a long time. Uh, leaderboard update before we finish on the golf side of things. Stephen Alka is now out in front by himself. Credibly, is five under after 12 holes. Five under after 12 holes. So he's got one shot lead over Flynn, Jones, Powerhorn, Juan. Um, and Daniel Hilly has dropped a shot, uh, so he's now three under after 12 holes. So that's uh, the full extent of our, our golfing uh, setup, uh, and it uh, will continue. Actually, where's Staffy today? I've seen Staffy in the camera. Don't tell me he's down there. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? I have <laughs> if Staff was down there uh, in Arrowtown, I imagine calls would be being made. No, he is, he is doing an OB today, Smithy, but he is not where you think he might be. Hey, I'm just trying to bring it up right now. Uh, I believe he might be going for some burgers. Yes, he's he's going to be live at Wall Burgers uh, from midday. Uh, the uh, the new burger restaurant that's partnered up with uh, SCNZ. So you might uh, you might get some free food, uh, Steph. You might be in for a good afternoon. Looking forward to that one, 12 to 4. 12 to 3, <laughs> sorry. Phoenix Nation, I forgot. Ricardo has uh, Phoenix Nation from 3 o'clock. Okay, Crusaders uh, in action this weekend, of course. Uh, they're playing against the Highlanders. Uh, Crusaders side, uh, they've had to make changes, um, but they've reshuffled the back line. In fact, uh, they've put Fergus Burke back to number 15, which is interesting, which enables them to bring David Harvelli back uh, up into uh, the midfield, uh, alongside Jack Goodhue, shift out to centre, Sevi Reese and Lester Fyanga Nuku, uh, Richie Mwanga and Mitchell Drummond. Uh, Christian Le- Leo Willie because uh, of course uh, they've lost uh, Cullen Grace they still haven't uh, fully got to the extent of his uh, shoulder injury uh, Tom Christie uh, comes in on the uh, stays on the side of the scrum with uh, Ethan Blackadder Sam Whitelock comes back with Scott Barrett in um, the engine room uh, Tamaiti Williams in the front row uh, to replace Fletcher Neal who's uh, got an injured knee and Cody Taylor and Joe Moody so whatever side they come up with they still come up with uh, sheer class, don't they, the Crusaders? But that is their their side uh, looking at um, getting on the board, uh, really, getting on the board. So uh, that will be uh, of interest, that game against um, the Highlanders. All super matches, of course, in Melbourne this uh, weekend to celebrate uh, the occasion. It is uh, 11.30 here on SENZ. Time for us to uh, have a, a little bit of fun with you. 0800 150811. 0800 150811. We have a $50 bonus bet up for grabs, courtesy of the TAB, so uh, we invite you to call. 
It is uh, 11.30 and it's time for some uh, news with Aroha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, grab your bat, pad up. It's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. $50 TAB, bonus bet up for grabs. There's been a lot of golf talk today, but I can reveal that there's no golf as one of the topics. Not today anyway, Smithy. But uh, I like your chances. That's a shame. Absolutely, that's a shame. I, I look forward to that. So uh, who is our uh, first uh, competitor today, Logan? First at the crease, we're going to one of my favourite uh, parts of the country, Dunedin. Luke, come in, mate. Good morning. How are we? We're pretty cool, Luke, actually. Um, just working through and enjoying the, the start of uh, the New Zealand Golf Open where uh, Stephen Elker is still five under and leading the tournament, which is great news. Uh, not too far up the road from you. No, it's uh, certainly, hopefully emotional-wise, that it's when we want to win, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one they want to win, and uh, we had a text in, um, and I'll uh, get to that after about Zane, whether it qualifies uh, the winner of New Zealand Open gets a, uh, an automatic entry into the British Open. Uh, was to be the case last year, of course, but then again it was called off, so I'm not quite sure. We, we'll check not to, next time we talk to Michael Glading or someone official down there. Uh, we'll just uh, see if we can get to the bottom of that. Anyway, uh, Logan, uh, for uh, Luke this morning, what are the categories? Categories to choose from today, Luke, are basketball, rugby and football, soccer football. Take your pick. Oh, let's, let's head us with rugby. Alright, good luck. First question for you, Luke. A Black Ferns World Cup winning forward scored the most points in the opening round of Super Rugby Opiki, dotting down three times. Can you name that player? Um, Luke O'Connor. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. You already got golf claps uh, from <laughs> the question writer himself. Yeah, Luca Connor, Chiefs Manoa Hooker, three tries, Smithy, in the opening round. Yep, uh, power of, they're a powerful pack, uh, Chiefs Manoa. There's no doubt about it. So uh, Brenton uh, Crystal Cole, who we talked to on the show, uh, will be very happy with the start that they made last weekend. They are a force to be reckoned with. Question two. Question two. An all-black carried for the most metres in the opening round of Super Rugby Pacific. Can you name that player? Oh, is, not, is Talia considered a football back? Just a couple oh, of oh. chips down the wicket, oh. right in the slot, and away it goes. We sure are. 248 metres, Smithy. Mark Talia, what an opening match for him. Yeah, really did uh, create an impression, didn't he? It will have impressed um, Ian Foster in a position that we're not really struggling for depth, but that's adding to it. So, uh, Mark Talia. Uh, hell of a game all round, man and uh, player of the match by uh, everyone's estimation down there in that thumping of the Highlanders. Right, question three. Luke's on a roll. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say thumping. <laughs> no, yeah, it was a thumping. Comfortable victory. Ouch. Uh, second on that list, by the way, was Sean Stevenson, 178 meters. So quite a gap there. Last question for you, Luke. Tab, fifty dollar bonus bet up for grabs here. 66 tries were scored across Super Rugby OPEC and Pacific in the opening round. What team scored the most tries? Oh, um, oh, 
Manawa. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Someone's been paying attention. Yeah, Chiefs Manawa, nine tries. There was also the Blues scored eight, and the Hurricanes and the Fijian Drua scored six. Smithy, got a winner. We got a winner and uh, unbeatable. Yeah, three out of three for Luke, so he fully deserves uh, the fitty coming from uh, the TAB. Any idea what you might put it on, Luke? Oh, I'm a big fan of NRL, so I think we'll have a we'll have a hit of that this weekend. So I don't know what we we'll go with yet, but we'll, we'll have a, yeah, we will go Warriors because uh, I don't like Newcastle. And, right. Um, and I'll be interested on what the Dolphins are after point start. Yeah, that might be a sneaky, actually. Uh, Logan's just looking that up for you. Uh, so you stay on the line. Uh, Brian will get the the, uh, the details off you. He probably has because you've been a winner before. But just to confirm that we get that money to you uh, as soon as we possibly can. Congratulations, mate. Thanks for taking part. Have a terrific weekend. Yes, Millie. You too. Thank you. Okay. Right, uh, Logan, uh, any update on the market there? Yeah, the points start with the Dolphins and the Roosters. It's plus 17.5. That is the margin. Uh, Dolphins plus 17.5 is paying $1.95. The Roosters minus 17.5. When We had Paul Mawadi on earlier and he was talking about power plays. There was one that really took my fancy actually in tonight's game. Eels versus the Storm. And uh, trying to find again. Oh, well, Mike Acevo or Xavier Cook's first try score at $4.50. I think that's a good one to get on, especially when you consider Mike Acevo's record of scoring at Combank Stadium. In, I think it's 36 games he's played there, he's scored 35 tries. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've got to get on that. You have to get on that. I mean, who's going to reverse that trend? That's an amazing <laughs> stat. That is an amazing stat, Logan. Well done coming up with that one. Um, I like the seven and a half point start, but I, I, I think uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, if the Roosters are anything like hitting the ground running, uh, I don't think that's enough. Uh, I would be wanting in the mid twenties for a brand new franchise. Just me, just me. Eleven thirty nine here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, we'll visit the sports desk. We're going to cross to Staffy and Wahlburgers as well. The lucky chappy. Of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Rightio, it's uh, coming up 11.46 and uh, we had a text in from uh, Zane. Just flew back into New Zealand after a fleeting trip to Japan. Uh, great to see Elka proving last year's uh, wasn't a fluke and he's five under Stephen Elka at the moment leading the New Zealand Open, should I say. Uh, does the winner of the New Zealand Open get entry to the British Open? We shall find that out on your behalf. Um, uh, hey, Smithy, uh, would you be picking a development player or three for the Sri Lankan tests? Give it that some sort. We'll talk about that tomorrow, Paddy, but thanks very much. Uh, I want to see changes. I do want to see changes. Right. Uh, we're heading to, uh, of course, we're on the way to the sports desk, so we're, we're obliged really to uh, give you an update on where our uh, famous amateurs are. Nathan Astor and Jeff Wilson, with their respective professionals, are at six under. Excellent start for them. Uh, Israel Dagg and Brennan McCullum, uh, with their respective professionals, are at three under, as is Stephen Fleming. So that's uh, the latest update from the New Zealand Golf Open, and uh, it is uh, Stephen Elka and Flynn from Australia, both at five under. 
out on the course at the moment. Uh, Logan? Yeah, not bad from Izzy. Not bad. Good to see uh, him having a good round out there. Of course, FA Cup was going on this morning as well. The continuation of the fifth round. All players done now. No replays. It's all being decided. Uh, Grimsby Town, the big upset, beating uh, Southampton 2-1. Nice little story here as well, Smithy, because the goalkeeper for Grimsby Town, who is in the fourth tier of English football, might I add, their keeper is a Kiwi, Max Crokem, who had played under Danny Hay with the All Whites. Uh, and winning away from home from there, for them, great result. Burnley as well, 1-0 defeat of Fleetwood, who had a red card just before the end of the first half. Manchester United, 3-1 win over West Ham. Uh, so you know Ricardo will be very happy about that one. And yes... Uh, I mean, you already know this results, man. The Sheffield United 1-0 over Tottenham Hotspur. So the quarterfinalists have been decided, and the times have already been decided. Manchester City take on Burnley, March 19, 4 a.m. New Zealand time. Manchester United versus Fulham. Well, it's all the same day. Of course it is. Uh, 4 a.m. kickoffs. And then Sheffield United will take on Blackburn Rovers, and Brighton will take on Grimsby Town. So there's quite a lot of diversity there of, of the leagues and stuff so it's not just Premier League teams uh, which of course is one of the great things about the FA Cup uh, r- Romance, it, the romance of the FA Cup is uh, the stories from uh, the small teams that, that come on through um, so uh, let's have a look at um, uh, one of your uh, favourite I think uh, things that you like to hang your hook on um, <laughs> and that is of course the NHL and it's what is it trade time yeah, so the NBA have had their trade deadline. That's all been and done. The NHL's trade deadline is Saturday, 9 a.m. New Zealand time. And so a lot of the uh, analysts and the insiders and the experts, you know, they do their shows on the day of and they hope to break all the big trades then. But it's all happening now, Smithy. Over the course of the past few days, there's just been a lot going on. We've seen some big names move, probably the biggest. Uh, for anyone who's a Chicago Blackhawks fan, Patrick Kane has gone to the New York Rangers in a three-way trade that involved the Arizona Coyotes as well. They retained 25% of Kane's salary and get a third-round pick uh, for their troubles. A big one as well uh, for my friends in uh, LA is seeing Jonathan Quick leave the team there, the goalkeeper who won two Stanley Cups with him. He's one of those players, you know, we still talked about how um, LeBron isn't really well liked in LA, and that's because they like their athletes to basically you know, live the LA life. They want players who represent their city, and Jonathan Quick is someone who did that th- through thick and thin. Uh, he's off to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I know a lot of people aren't uh, favorable of that deal. The other way, the, the Kings will get Vladislav Gaprikov and Jonas Corposello from the Blue Jackets. So they're getting a slightly younger goalie there to replace Quick, which is an interesting one. Uh, my my team, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs, were very busy yesterday, Smithy. Uh, sorry, they announced three trades in the space of an hour. Three trades in the space of an hour, which saw Luke Shen come from the uh, Vancouver Canucks. They sent away Pierre Engvall to the New York Islanders, and they got Eric Gustafsson from the Washington Capitals uh, and trade for Rasmus Sandin, who was a player who was kind of on the out, not really in the lineup anymore. Plenty more to come, of course, because that deadline is on Saturday morning. So uh, I know what I'm going to be doing. Yep, you'll be studying it. I know that because uh, you've got the bug. You've got that uh, NHL in you. 
Uh, was it were you in HL uh, before you went to Canada? Yeah, I was. Um, I grew up. Let's see. I mean, the first sport I ever tried to play, I believe, was was it rugby or soccer? It was one of the two. And then one's got a round ball and one's got an oval. <laughs> Honestly, one. I'm trying to think, mate. I saw six, seven years old, so long ago now. Um, yeah, and then field hockey really clicked for me, and I was watching the NHL. Um, so I was about ten years old when that clicked for me um but you know me i'm also a warriors uh tragic thick and thin from 1995 onwards smithy but yeah no i've I've been an nhl fan for basically as long as i can remember brilliant okay right uh well uh talking of sports fans uh mark stafford is uh strategically placed i can see down there at Warburgers, so we'll be catching up with him uh very shortly uh brad has texted in and i I didn't realize this so brad maybe uh, gary stead announced that um I didn't see this at all. Gary said has already said that the same 13 from the Basin Test will play the first test against Sri Lanka. I, I, I didn't see that announcement, Brad, so thank you very much for updating me on that. Uh, I would have thought they would have just sat back for a few days and uh, just assessed where they were at and where they were wanted to go. I mean, OK, it was a great win, a very exciting win, thrilling win, but uh, they were only a wide being called away from it being a tie, and uh, it was only a little uh, piece of wood uh, down the leg side a bit further away from losing that test match so um, do you just uh, dwell on that and say this is a great team you know we'll stick with this team um, and ignore the fact that you've got one or two selection issues in the middle there Uh, have you really answered the problem at number four or five do you need to play an extra batsman against Sri Lanka are you going to play a specialist spinner um, against um, against Sri Lanka um, on uh, supposedly, I suppose Gary will want a green, a green pitch down there against Sri Lanka because um, that has always pe- tended to be the way over the years. Do you really want to include Ish Sodi or Ajaz Patel? Remember him? No, it doesn't seem that you, you do want to do that. So uh, we continue not to learn. It's 11:52. Staffy back shortly.